what I got. My picture was that I felt like I was continuously falling in and out of a cactus patch of a thorny, like this. This is exactly what I was picturing, these sharp thorns. And in my pain, these cactuses are my pain, but I'm continuously trying to get out of it. So I'm just like, get out and fall back and get out and fall back. And I am a bloody mess. And every now and then I'd even try to climb the cactus plant, you know, and I'm like just ripping myself to pieces. And what the Lord showed me that you only, your pain, you just fall through it. And yes, it hurts. But you fall through your pain and you get some scratches. And on the underneath that cactus plant was like a memory foam mattress called the presence of God, where he like wraps himself around me and heals my wounds. But I don't ever get there because I'm so busy trying to escape my pain because I don't like to hurt. I don't like it at all. So for the longest time, I was managing my fruit. So I had this big old tree growing, and I had lots of bad fruit, and I am just managing it. And I'm trying to make sure I don't have too much, and maybe people don't see it, and maybe I don't feel it, and, you know, different things at different times. But regardless, I'm exhausted. And I teach about finding bitter roots all the time, but I couldn't find my own because I was so busy trying to not be in pain. But the whole time, I was making myself in more pain. Pain is a part of your process. And your story is very important. It is just a part of our life. It is the way we come into the world is through pain. It is like it is just a part of the process. It's not like it has to be the end of the process. Pain is just a part. So don't don't miss that. You remember that scripture I read in Hebrews? It was a part of his process. You know, Jesus who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame. It was a part of his story. It's a very important part of his story. <laughs> it's how we get salvation. <laughs> so the pain is like an important part of your story. But I feel like he's kind of given me a tool on how to live life, how to live our process. And I see this in people older than me. I see them not fighting the pain. They're like, oh, yeah, that stuff's going to happen. And they just fall through it. They're like, yeah, it'll hurt, you know. <laughs> especially people who walk, you know, just like are walking with the Lord and follow the Holy Spirit. They're like, I have no, this is, yeah, I don't have a lot of explanation. They just fall through the cactus and they get scratched up, but they know it's like their confidence is so much different than mine. So um, the dictionary says that a process is a series of actions or steps taken in order to achieve a particular end. So we've been taught most of our life that when pain happens, we have two choices, fight or flight. How many have ever been ever taught that? Okay. 
Nobody. Yes. Okay. A couple people. Good. I've heard that all my life. I'm like, yeah, that's a great, yeah, that's exactly what we do. We either fight or we fight. What if there are other options? Maybe. So we either fight against the, the, the pain, the conflict, or we run away from it, or maybe there are other ideas. I think there are other ideas. You can lean into it. How many of you have ever, like, gotten poked by a barbed wire fence or something? Okay, if you push in, you know, it's, it's like, easier to get it out of your clothes and stuff. You know what I'm saying? Like, something sharp. Sometimes you have to push in to get out. All right, that's where that comes from. You, like, lean into the pain. Maybe you go even deeper into the pain. Maybe. You get lower than the pain. You, like, go through the cactus and fall down. You, like, get lower. This is upside down, I know. Because you're like, no, I want out. <laughs> like, what if you, like, what if you, like, sink beneath it? Jesus said, who for the joy set before him. Okay, I know we talk about joy all the time, but look at this. Joy is a feeling of great pleasure and happiness. Like, what if that is how we approached our pain? What if something hit us like a Mack truck and hurt real bad, and we were like, pleasure and happiness? I mean, it's an option. Is it fight or flight? I really don't know that either of those are great ideas. I think, I, I don't know. I'm just like, in this thing of like pressing into it, leaning into our pain. What if we thanked God? What if the first thing we did when we saw our giant walking up to us, when, to us, when Goliath is like coming across the battlefield and we're like, thank you, God, that he is coming. We're not like, I'm going to kick his butt. I'm getting after him. I got my slingshot out. I'm gonna, I am, or we're not like, I'm out of here. He is bigger than me. But we're like, thank you, God. Thank you. Thank you. I'm right here. I'm right now. I'm in my process. This is my story, and Goliath is a part of my story. Thank you. If we just started there, it just seems too simple. I know. Me too. All right. It says he endured the cross. What does that mean? Endure means to suffer something painful or difficult patiently. I knew the first part of that definition. I knew it was to suffer something, but I didn't realize, I didn't really put the whole patiently part in there. So like when we, Jesus endured the cross, he endured it. He endured it patiently and until its end. And so many times we want our pain to end so badly that we don't get to the end of it. We get to the end of our patience. It's like this message is to give you a little bit of courage to have a little more stamina. Because we're not sprinters. We're not. Some of us are really good sprinters. 
But we're, we're endurance runners. We're marathoners. This is a long journey. And then you got to pick people up on the way. I mean, some of y'all, anybody get stopped by the AF half? We did. Um, so y'all are like, I was late because those runners were all on my way. I tried to run them over. Um, yes, they were running a marathon. Did they decide this morning they were going to do that? No. They didn't. They've been training for that thing. You know, it's like a big deal. And if they did decide they were going to do it this morning, somebody picked them up on the way because they didn't make it. We pick people up on the way. We, we are endurance people. That's what Jesus made us, people of endurance. So this, this is the part that I feel like in this scripture that the Lord just really, what was the cross for Jesus? Because this is that scripture, Jesus, for the joy set before him, endured the cross. What was the cross? All right, let's think about it. He was wrongly accused. So painful when you're wrongly accused. When somebody says, you went behind my back and you did A, B, and C, and you're like, actually, I was trying to do this, but it just didn't work that way. When somebody doesn't understand your heart, it's like one of the worst pains ever when you're misunderstood and they don't understand you, when you're wrongly accused, that happened to Jesus on the cross. He was misunderstood. When you're humiliated, when you like try something new and it just doesn't work, it's painful. Somebody, Travis quotes it all the time, he'll tell me who, can't humiliate a humble man. Andrew Murray, you can't humiliate a humble man. Jesus is humble. Being up on that cross naked, that's humiliating, okay? So that's what the cross was. So these are things that cause us pain. He was rejected pretty much by everybody, you know? I mean, really, like even his really good friends. He felt like they just didn't get it. Or he wouldn't, wouldn't have been up there. He was alone. Since those were the darkest hours, he was alone. Like how many of y'all feel alone when you're in your pain? When I felt depressed, I was like, nobody understands. Nobody gets me. Nobody can fix this. I am totally alone. I mean, it hurt, right? I mean, the cross, like, it hurt. It's, like, actually a physical pain. Like, that's part of pain. It, like, actually physically hurts. Shame. He scorned it. shame. It's, like, a huge part of the cross. And we feel exposed. Like, I just kept thinking about, like, as I was asking the Lord, like, Jesus, what was the cross for you? Like, what, when you endured the cross, what was that? And I just kept hearing exposed. Just like that feeling when we feel like we've been really vulnerable and, and somebody maybe took advantage of it or maybe, like, hurt us in our most vulnerable state. So those are just some things to think about in your pain. So what do we... 
How do we lean into the pain? How do we stop the fight or flight? We have to stop fighting against the pain, trying to get out of it. I have this here because I don't do turning around very good. We have to stop avoiding our pain. How many of y'all like to do that? I love to do that. I love to avoid my pain. I love to pretend it's not there and think about something else and like get really involved in something else so I don't have to think about it or feel it. It's so awesome. It's one of my favorite strategies. Um, we have to quit bandaging our pain. Like we put like little band-aids on it, even cute ones like Disney, you know, little, little Mickey Mouse band-aid. What's a band-aid to pain? Getting comfort. It's getting comfort somewhere else. It's that avoiding thing. It's me being like, I care so much about you, Kimberly. I just want to be all in your life, but actually I just don't want to think about mine. It's like you know what, I can't sleep, so I'm going to have a beer before bed so I can, like, go to sleep tonight instead of being like, why can't I go to sleep? That is not normal. Suppose you just lay down and go to sleep. What's wrong? <laughs> What's going on? Band-Aid. Like, bandaging my pain. Counterfeit affections. Not looking at love, God's love, but looking at something else. To make me feel good. Because he don't make me feel good. You know? Like, I got to find something that does. Um, those things will lead you into bad places. Just don't do that. Okay? That's another sermon for another day. Oh, we have to stop blaming our pain. Oh, we have to stop. I mean, if I would have just known this 15 years ago, then I wouldn't feel like this. And if I was born a different way, and if my parents would have done something different, and if I would have made a different dip, if that person would have, if my parents didn't expect this of me, and if my, if my husband would have done that, and if my girlfriend would have done this, stop. Stop blaming for your pain. I mean, that is like a huge step. So if you're experiencing pain, some of those things that the cross represents, say you're experiencing rejection. This is a real easy one to blame. And you're like, well, if, I mean, well, if my boss would just like give me some encouragement, then I wouldn't feel so rejected. That is a perfect opportunity to be like, what's going on in my heart? Like, what's going on? Why am I blaming her for the way I feel? Why is she so powerful in my life? Start asking yourself some questions, okay? Because when we are blaming people for how we are, is just not good. We have to stop. We have to stop trying to find a way out. That's that place I was, in and out of the cactus, in and out, in and out. I'm like, you know, I feel free, like I'm like singing my song, carrying my cross. Everybody else is behind me. I'm winning, I'm winning. <laughs> yep, I can't get to the finish line, <laughs> but I'm winning. <laughs> you know, there's something wrong with that picture. And so um, when we're just trying to get out, this is like a victim thing, you know, and, and we're powerful people. 
So you're not a victim. You're not a victim of anything that's happened to you. This is your story. You get to have it. You get to have this life. It's like, it's a different perspective, okay? Fall through it. Just stop doing these things and lean into it and fall through it. It's like the new picture I have in my head of pain. I'm like, that feels horrible. I'm just going to lean all the way in and fall through to the memory foam mattress. And when you do, you will find peace. That is that place I'm talking about. It's like falling into a cloud, leaning into your pain and falling into that place with the Father. It says that he sat down at the right hand of the Father. That was the end result of him leaning into his pain. Not avoiding it, not blaming it, just leaning into it. We'll be in Father's embrace with his provision and with his perspective. We're so blind when we're trying to get out. We can't, all we can see is the cactus. You know, because that's all that's there, honestly. Because we're so in our pain. It's like our world is so wrapped up in this place that we're blind. We can't see. So when we lean through it, we get to have the eyes of the Lord because his ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. We have to get a different perspective. I loved our worship this morning. I was like, I probably don't really need to preach because that's what worship was about this morning, getting a different perspective. What are some of the things that pain does? It exposes our heart. These are, this is reasons to say, thank you, God. Thank you that Goliath is coming at me. Thank you. Because now I'm going to know what's really in my heart. If you're negative and whiny, please be that way. Like, please, go ahead and be negative and whiny. So that I can, in turn, say, what is going on with you? You're not negative. Like, why are you being so negative? And then he can say, because I'm in pain. Or I'm tired. Or whatever. And then we can actually talk about that and then he can feel loved and then maybe the next time I ask him to do that thing he actually has a positive attitude instead of has to have a positive attitude there's a little bit of a difference so as long as you're trying to escape the pain you can make yourself do anything and it is an okay place to start it's an okay place to start to kind of be like all right I'm gonna try to do this but it's not an okay place to live because you can't live that way forever. You know, you can't make yourself do something forever. So, like, instead of requiring that people change or that you change, what if you, like, find what's going on in there and, like, actually have the desire to shift? You got something? So I'll give you an example from this past week. We were riding in the car <clears throat> back home, and there was a funeral procession right there in Bishop. And uh, I was pulling over, and I was gradually 
getting in line with the other cars that were uh, get, getting out of the way. And Jessica was like, are you, are you going to slow down and stop? And it just, all right, innocent enough statement, right? It just, man, you want to talk about a 180 flick of, flick of the switch? I was like, I'm stopping. I mean, I, I probably gave her one of these looks. Back off. And uh, she's like, are you mad at me? I was like, I was stopping. Did you see what I was doing? I was getting in line with the cars. I was stopping. I was getting out of the way. Come on. I'm like, and so in my, the emotions that have overcome me are thinking, is like, she is nagging me. She is like micromanaging my life right now. I'm driving. I'm doing it right. So we go home. I'm steaming still. She's like, are you, are you still mad at me? I was like, I am. I said, we'll talk in a little bit. I unpacked the car like this. And, and so I was just, you know, doing this number everywhere I go. And so finally, you know, I, I, I know better. After 12 years, I'm not, it's not good to have a convo right then. And uh, conversation, that's, the, <laughs> that's what that means, guys. So, uh, so we finally, I feel like I've cooled down enough where I can, we can have a good, sensible fight. And so uh, I was like, all right, honey, let's go back into the bedroom. I said, all right, I know my reaction is way out of proportion to what, what happened. I know that. So I know I've got something going on in my heart. That being said... Why did you have to micromanage my driving? And then I started pulling up a record of wrongs from the past week. I mean, I just blew it big time. So, like, um, I was like, you remember earlier in the week when you, you wanted me to write a list and I wanted to write on a whiteboard and you were, like, writing on a piece of paper? I'm like, what's wrong with the whiteboard? Quit micromanaging my life. <laughs> you know, she's just making a – and, like, honestly, Jessica's just, like, making suggestions. And so what could happen? There's two options. I could live with what I perceive to be as a nag, which she's not really, because of my heart. Or I could actually get to, down to the reason why I overreacted, why everything is interpreted. Not everything. I mean, 12 years ago everything was, but not, not now. But, like, why I... Why was the whiteboard such a big deal? Why was her asking me if I was going to stop for the funeral a big deal? Why? This is what Jessica's talking about. Because what happened in that moment of pulling over was a shot of pain. Somebody just took a big old steel toe boot and just hammered it down onto my toe. And I was like, whoa! <laughs> and so 
That's what, you know, you stub your toe, instant, 180. Oh! So that's where I was. But why did that happen? Because what happened was I lost self-control, which is a fruit of the Spirit. So I am called to walk that way. I am called to walk, like Jesus did, unoffendable. So why did I get so offended so easy, so quickly? So me and Jessica talk. And she's like, honey, and bless her heart, she was super calm in this situation. And I'm just like, I'm standing up. She's just laying down on the bed. I'm just like, you know, just bouncing, and yeah, which I don't normally do. You know, I'm laid back. So anyways, what happens is it comes up both of those instances. The whiteboard instance was about Jessica. I had the kids after school, and we left, and the home was in a mess which I normally don't actually do, but even old structures like one time of striking out, you're a failure. There's old ways of thinking. This time, what even, this may seem silly to you, but this is what happened. When I pulled over for the, for the funeral and she asked me, um, are you going to stop? What the real message, what my filter was hearing is, are you even decent enough to stop for a funeral? So what the core issue was on both of those, I didn't feel like I was a good man. And she said that, she, when she said it, she's like, it's like you don't think you're a good man or something. And then when she said it, I was like, that's it. That's it. That's why when she questioned because, like, if you're, in my mind, if you, it's the decent, right thing to do to pull over to the side for a funeral, to show respect and honor. It's the decent, right thing to do. A good man, a good husband, doesn't leave the house in a mess for his wife before he takes the kids to Taekwondo. All these things, all these standards of measurement that I had that, you know, I didn't meet. And... And so when she said instantly, like, the, the defensiveness and, like, the, the anger that I had, it just subsided. And I was like, that's, I know that's it. Because I don't, I, I have a, I could shut Jessica down for the rest of our marriage. You can't say anything. You can't suggest anything to me. And then half my wisdom is gone. That's the truth. Half, I just went from 100 to 50% wisdom. It's going to be bad. I could shut her down. I could make her a robot where she has to guard everything she says. And then what happens then? It's a, it's a domino effect. She starts slowly closing her heart off, only revealing things. And then when you start exposing your heart, you start sharing your heart, then all these lies have room to creep in, and then you just get to believe a whole bunch of lies that aren't true about your spouse. Because there's not a safe place. So, that one little instance, if I just ran with it, you're a nag, and you're micromanaging my life, which is not true, if I ran with that, it could have a affect the rest of our marriage. That's why you gotta go, that's why you gotta let pain expose your heart. That's why you got to ask the questions. 
And you don't accuse somebody because I don't have any control. I can't actually control what Jessica does. I can't make her not nag me or what I perceive to be nagging. I can only control my actions. And so that's why I looked and was like, why did I react this way? Because it wasn't like Jesus. Jesus is unoff- he's unoffendable despite all the rejection and the wrongs that happened to him. He lived without sin. I am called to live in a way of self-control, and I just lost all self-control. So why did that happen? That's what pain does. So, anyways. That's a great example. (laughs) So, it does. It exposes our heart. It exposes those kind of things. It also exposes, it unveils desires that are tucked away. So it exposes stuff like that. What's really in there? Just let pain expose your heart. If you are trying to escape it, you get to live that way forever. And it is no fun. But there's like little desires tucked away. These little like beautiful treasures that like when pain happens, fear gets put in perspective. And all of a sudden you like let those come to the surface. It's really awesome. If you've never experienced this, this is like one of the favorite things about pain. Because when you have like a painful experience, you're like, well, the worst thing that can happen just happened. So like I might as well start thinking about life. Like, you know, like you just start letting these things you've tucked away and you've been afraid to expose but you're, you're in pain, you're raw, you're vulnerable, you feel rege- you have all that stuff, you're in pain, you're cross. And you're like, well, I'm just going to, I'll just try it. You know, these little, little desires that are tucked away. It opens up opportunities. So the, the thing with the fear being put in perspective is... To think about, like, what if we didn't care what anyone else thought? This is really hard to do in America. It's really hard. What if you didn't care what your parents thought? What if you didn't care what your friends thought? What if you didn't care what your spouse thought? Like, what if you didn't care? Like, what if they, their perspective was not ruling your decisions? Ooh. Some of you just thought of some ugly stuff. That's in your heart, okay? Like, some of you just thought of some awesome stuff. That's in your heart. One way or the other. So, like, if nobody was watching me, man, I would live like, you know, I'd just be doing crazy stuff, and I'd steal all the clothes at the mall, or, you know, I don't know, like, whatever. If nobody cared, and I didn't care about people. If that's in your heart, then, then like, Get it on the outside. I'm not saying go steal all the clothes at the mall. I'm just saying figure out why you want all those clothes. You ain't got room for them in your house. Why you want all those clothes? You just need two or three pairs of stuff. You know, we only got a washing machine. Um, we get to take baths. Like, you, we don't have needs for all that. So, so whatever. And then you might think if no one was watching, if I didn't care about their opinion, then I would like... I might go into the hospital and just pray for every sick person in there and see if any of them got healed. I think I would do that if I didn't care what anybody thought. 
I think I would. I, when I said it, I was like, I would do that. If I didn't care what anybody thought, I would do that. I would go try to clean out Athens Regional. <laughs> Laura wouldn't have to go to work. <laughs> They'd be like, we don't need any nurses. This girl came in. We don't have any more patients. Um, like, so it opens up opportunity. Pain actually opens up opportunities. It's crazy. And so, <clears throat> so just think about, like, what if it was really all about one thing? What if it was really we just had one focus? What if? It's a good thing to think about, the what ifs. It makes us powerful. So if we stop trying to get out of pain, we also kind of have to stop looking at the goal. This is very different, so follow me. That's why I did all this stuff up front. So many times we're so looking at our goal that we miss our process. So Bob Johnson says, it is on the journey that our dreams come true. It is on the journey that our dreams come true. But so many times we don't even know that they're happening because we're so looking at, oh, win this, and I'm going to do that, and we're just way out there somewhere. Like, be right here. Be in the car, in the funeral procession, waiting and fighting with your wife. Be there. Like, be right there instead of, like, One day, I'm going to have this global galactal ministry that is going to, I'm going to preach to millions of people, and they're going to all get saved, healed, delivered in one prayer, you know? So if Travis was thinking that way, that fight in the car would have never gotten the beautiful dream come true for Travis. You know what I mean? Like, he had to be in that moment. So what happened was Travis like started praying the idol part. So Travis started praying and one thing that Travis has said like since I've known him that like all he wants to be known as is a good man. He just wants to be a good man. And that's a really great thing. While he was praying, I asked him I said, "Honey, do you think that you have an idol of integrity?" How can you have an idol of integrity? We either have a Goliath coming at us or we're being manipulated and controlled by our own idols. And that's what was going on with Travis. Idols are deaf, dumb, and mute. It doesn't matter how good they are. And they make us like them. So he repented for erecting that idol, which he was trying to get me to bow to. And when you get married, like your spouses are really reluctant to bow to your idols. And when you've got really good friends, like they won't bow either. And you're like, dude, I could just, won't you just bow and love me through that idol? Because that's how I, that's how I want it. Um, but they won't, they won't. It just, They just won't. I mean, if you're married in here, you know, like your, your spouse, they just will not bow to your idol. They just, like, look at it like, I'm, nope, mm-mm. 
And so um, you either, we're getting, that is not in between us. We're not doing that, you know? And it's how we fight for each other. So he repented for having the idol, and the Holy Spirit destroyed it. And now he's able to, like, receive love without the idol, controlling him and others. So, um, and that could have gone so badly. I mean, we have three kids. Can you imagine them having to bow down to the idol of integrity like their whole life? I don't even want to think about it. Um, It would be rough. You think about things differently when you get little people. Pain makes us powerful. You don't know how strong you are. You know, like you really don't. You're like, man, we just did that. Mike Peace, the things he's done this week, if you would have asked him on Monday if he could have done the things he did this week, he would have told you no. If you said, Mike, hey, I'm going to need you to do these 12 things in 24 hours, he would have been like, I I can't do that. I don't know how to do that. But now, if you ask him, he's like, yeah, because he knows that he can. And, like, you know, God lives in us. Like, we've got a lot of resources. And Mike may have known that he was loved on Monday, but I don't know that he knew how much he was loved until, until Saturday, you know, until Wednesday night. And, you know, I'm just saying, like, pain opens stuff up. And I'm not saying that, that like, it isn't hard, you know, because it does hurt. That's part of it. So then we can run. So the end of that scripture, the verse, um, it says we can run with perseverance. Let's see. Uh, verse, th- um, no, verse 1, not the end, the beginning. It says, in order to run, let us run with perseverance, the race marked out for us. We can't even run unless we can learn how to deal with our pain. So we get to run our race, live the abundant life that he died for, out of a place of fullness. If we can learn to lean into our pain, we open up room for the goodness of God, the abundant life that he died for. But as long as you are trying to manage your pain to keep it bearable, you will not experience this because you are not running anything. You are in one spot going in and out of the cactus plant. (laughs) You're just like, I know because I've been there and I have experienced measures of freedom. You know, I'm not saying we don't, but there's just some, I think there's just something to this and it's like, it's not even, and some of us have been through really painful stuff, and it's not like you, you get out of it and go back. You, like, fall through it and go to a new place. Isaiah 41.10, this is really encouraging about what's at the right hand of the throne of God. So do not fear. There's no fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed. Don't grow weary. For I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Like that's where we want to be, right? That's where we want to be. So Hebrews 12 leads to Isaiah 41. Um, 
Y'all have heard Travis share a story about living in the fire. You know, like there's treasure in you. There's treasure in you. And some things need to be burned away. You know, and it's really important to let the fire burn those things away that need to go so that you can like really live in that place of abundance. So um, some of you may have seen this on my Facebook says, don't jump out of the fire because there is gold hidden in you that can only be unveiled through fire. Like some of it we can't see. This is by the man on fire. The Reverend <laughs> Travis Gay. <laughs> um, <laughs> so... Um, so I just, I want to, I, my goal for today was, I just feel like the Lord gave me such a gift that day when he said, your body has done some really great things for you. It like shifted my perspective and made me want to like live in that fire and let it burn off. And, um, and so I, I really believe that just like when the guys went into the promised land and all of them saw the same thing, but they came back with two different reports. They just had two different perspectives. It's not like one person went to Watkinsville and saw giants and one person went to, to Madison County and saw grasshoppers. That's not how it was. They all went to the same place and they all saw the same thing. But the report was that there are giants in there. We don't need to go. It was flight. And, you know, two said, let's take them. We can do, we're going to go in there. We're going to lean in to this place. Thank you, God, and take the promised land. So it's just different perspectives. So I am praying this morning that whatever your giant is, if it's a giant or an idol, that you can have the courage to ask questions. And maybe it's not fight or flight. Maybe it's lean in. Maybe it's find that place beneath the pain. And, like, go till its end. Like, endure patiently until its end. And don't be in such a hurry to, like, not hurt. I know, because that's not natural for me. I'm a nurturer, and I don't want people to hurt. I really don't. But just I think we get in a hurry, and that's why we don't find God. We find our own solution. So I want the Holy Spirit to come and give us all courage to not try to find our own solution. So, Lord, I just thank you that you showed us how to endure. That for the joy set before you, Jesus, that you endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And I just ask right now that we will fix our eyes. Show us how to fix our eyes on you. Not on our problem. Not on our pain. But on you. Thank you, Lord. Give us courage. Holy Spirit, come and give us courage. Thank you, Lord. Holy Spirit, show us the fruit of the Spirit, that it is your fruit in us. 
and that when we stop accessing it, <laughs> we need to look at you. We need to refocus and look at you. So this morning, as we just take a minute to think about the pain in our heart, or maybe how we have responded to pain in the past. Pray that you will open our eyes to see, open our ears to hear. Let's take the mask off.